Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. This morning, the title of my message is The Promise of Provision. The Promise of Provision. And I know... Uh, a couple of months ago, I preached a sermon which uh, already had a similar theme to it through the life of Abraham and Isaac, where God provided the ram in the thicket, and basically he didn't have to go through with offering his son as a sacrifice. That's a whole lot of stuff. If you don't know the story, you're like, this is already intense for me, maybe. But, but, in that story, God basically came through in the 11th hour for Abraham. This morning is a bit different because we're going to look at provision from a different perspective. Provision when you need to do something that's illogical and that makes zero absolute sense to you. No sense. But God calls you to obey and to do it in order that you would see him provide for you. The promise of provision is tied to obedience. It's tied to obedience, not to the circumstance that is presented to you. And that's a key thing for us to understand. One of the names of God is El Shaddai. Has anyone ever heard that name? Right? There's a song, El Shaddai. I don't know all the words, so I'll just stop at the first name. But El Shaddai translated God Almighty. Or all-sufficient one. That he's my all-sufficient one. El points to the power of God in El Shaddai, El. And Shaddai signifies one who nourishes, supplies, and satisfies. So when I'm saying he's my El Shaddai, I'm saying he's my God who supplies all my needs. He's my all-sufficient one. He is my provision. He is El Shaddai. This morning, we're going to read our text in just a moment in 1 Kings chapter 17. But I want to just set us up before we get there. So there's the prophet Elijah, and he speaks that there's going to be a famine, a drought. There's going to be no rain that's going to fall for a period of time. And as he speaks it, it happens, because God said that that's what he could do. And as he does that, What about him? How is he going to survive if he's being obedient to God? And God tells him, go to the Kareth brook, because there you'll be able to drink from the brook. But then I'm going to send ravens twice a day, and they're going to bring you food to eat, bread and meat. Now, ravens are scavengers. They're not the ones who are going to provide for you. They're the ones who are going to actually steal or take it from you. They're the ones flying around over you trying to see if you're going to drop the french fry, kind of like our modern-day seagulls, right? But the ravens were there, and they fed Elijah supernaturally. They would come twice a day and feed him, and he was able to drink from the brook. He was in a place because God told him to go there. Now, the brook dries up, and God is ready to give him his next instruction. So this is where we're going to pick it up from. So if you have your Bibles, would you stand with me if you're able to? We're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to pick up the story beginning at verse 7. 1 Kings 
chapter 17, verse 7. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. If you're there, shout amen. amen. All right, here, let's go for it. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. And here's the instruction, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Notice he instructed a widow there to feed you. Verse 10, so he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. Say always enough. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Father, I thank you for your truth. And Father, this year we, we said it was a year of promise, where we're standing on the promises of God. Lord, this morning we stand on the promise of your provision, not just for ourselves, but for our families, our loved ones, and for our church as well. We thank you that you are El Shaddai, the God who is all-sufficient. You're more than enough for us. And so today, God, we thank you that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Lord, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart as I speak and communicate your word. Lord, and I thank you that your word never returns void but it always accomplishes what you send it out to accomplish. So, Father, we thank you for this, and we ask you this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The promise of provision. I have a few points I want to share this morning in the message. So, number one, God is the source of my supply. If you're the kind who takes notes, and I highly encourage the practice of that, write it down. Point number one, God is the source of my supply. Maybe it doesn't feel like that tomorrow morning when you're going to work, and your boss you know, is just giving you a mouthful perhaps, and telling you and putting you in your place, and telling you how you're supposed to do your job, and you think, I better listen because I want the paycheck at the end of the week. But don't forget, yes, they write the check, but I want you to know that the true source of your supply comes from heaven, that God is your supply. And Elijah, we already said it, he was supernaturally fed by ravens, and he was drinking the water from the, bo the brook, 
But guess what? His circumstance changed when the brook dried up. But get, get this, he was obedient to the voice of the Lord in his life. And he was, he was led to that place. So what do you do when where you're at begins to, to dry out? When, when things aren't working, you listen. Because God is probably speaking already. You listen. And the word of the Lord comes to Elijah and tells him again, Go. And he's saying, Go to Zarephath, for I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So what do you need to live? Food, right? And, and I, I asked this to my wife. I think it was you. Or maybe I just said it out loud to nobody at home. But I was like, do you live to work or do you work to live? Right? It's, it's a, an important thing to know. Because my, my work doesn't own me. It's not who I am. It's what I do. Right? I am. My identity is tied in my God. I'm a child of God. It's not tied up or wrapped up in what I do from 9 to 5 that allows me to provide for my family. Again, we, we receive a check at the end of the week for our hard work. But I want you to know that the ultimate supply in your life, the source of it is God. God opens doors and God closes doors. And maybe there are some doors that you're knocking on that are closed, but maybe they're closed for a reason. And maybe God is saying, that's not my door. And maybe you're the kind of person that when the door's closed, you're looking to open a window to get in right? But God is saying, listen, you could be acrobatic and fit through the window, but, but I have something better if you would just say obey. If you would just obey. God is the source of my supply. So in verse 9, God tells him, go and live in Zarephath. Why? I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, God was not just wanting to make provision for the prophet Elijah, but that was going to happen because he said, go and live there. But also for the widow and her son. I want you to catch that because we just think about Elijah needs food now, right? So God is telling him to go there. But look at who he chooses as the conduit to which to provide for the prophet. Go to the widow of Zarephath. And that is not a logical choice. That is an illogical choice. Lord, if we who read through her condition and where she's at in life, it's like she's not in a position to, to provide for somebody else. She needs someone to provide and care for her. You see, as a widow, in her circumstance, she didn't have the opportunity like other people did to go and find employment. Oftentimes, the children would have to care for their mom in that case. And the moms say amen, right? Amen. The dads say amen too. When I'm older, I tell my son now, you see how mom and dad love you and care for you? We changed your diapers. One day you're going to change mine. And know that I had to put up with all those years. And maybe one day you'll have to do it for me. I pray you don't have to because it's not so fun as you think. But I said one day... I hope that you love us enough that you'll do that. But, but the children or the sons would have to take care of their mother in this story. And, and she was, get this, there's a famine. There's no, there's no grocery store. There's no food, not just in her house, but in the land. 
So you have to understand the, the conditions surrounding God's instruction. It, it's not an easy logical thing. It's not easy and it's illogical. And so God is saying, he's the one setting this up, saying, go there and I'm choosing this woman who doesn't have much. And what, what is her confession? We're going to get to it in a bit as we'll walk through it. But Elijah sh shows up. And we've heard this phrase, where God guides, he also provides. We've heard that, and it's true. I want you to know that. It's not just a cliche thing, but where God guides, he provides. Another way I've heard it said is, God will only pay for what he orders. God will only pay for what he orders. So he ordered the prophet to go to Zarephath to find this widow so you would expect, she doesn't have anything. She's telling, we know this. But we're going to see that God is ready to pay the bill when he orders the menu. And so this, this, this woman, she's not in a good place. And number one, we said, God is the source of my supply. But number two, I want us to note that God supplies his way, not ours. God supplies his way, not ours. And in verse 10 and 11, we, we see Elijah showing up, and he finds the widow, and he asks her two things. He asks her two things. First, he asks for a cup of water. And we find no objection to that request, and it tells us that she's going to go and get him some water. Yes, it takes energy, it takes strength, to go and fetch some water, but she was willing enough to do it, and she recognized to an extent that this was a man of God. That's the first thing. As she's on her way, he then says, hey, and while you're at it, make me a bite of bread to eat. Bring me a morsel of bread. And this is where she pipes up. This is, you know, when you put your finger on the nerve, the sensitive part of life, and, and you start to react right? It's like you can't get a response, but you hit that specific area, and then it's like, okay, the water, okay, that's one thing. I could do that, but seriously, do you know my situation? Seriously, do you know the condition of my family? And it says that when he found her, she was what? Picking up sticks. She was picking up sticks, and she responds to what he's saying. She responds in verse 12, I swear to you, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. Meaning, your request, like you crossed the line. You don't know what you're actually asking. And I'm about to tell you why. So she's saying, there's not a single piece of bread in this house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And here's what her logic concludes. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Not might. She's saying, my son and I will die. Because the logic says, there's no food in my house. There's no food in the land. We're in a time of famine, and this is all I have left. So this is what our plan is. Now, how dare you ask? Because I don't even have enough for myself or my son. And you see, God's ways are not our ways. Can somebody say amen? 
At the same time, I'm glad they're not my way. His, his ways are so different than us. And so she objects, right? It's obvious why. And she explained it. We just read it. But here's what human logic tells us. Human logic says, don't go ask a poor widow to feed you when she doesn't even have enough to survive. That's what logic says. God's logic says, no, go and ask the widow. It's quiet because it's not our logic, it's God's. And here's, I want to relate this even to us in the area of generosity and in giving. A lot of times we have opinions about people, about situations. Don't give that. You need that for this. As parents, don't put limits on your children either. As they get older, they start getting a job. Maybe they want to give in an extravagant way to God or to the offering. Don't hold back. Don't stop them because your logic means nothing in the kingdom and in the economy of God. I'm sorry to say, I'm not here to offend your mind, but let the word do that this morning if it has to. I, I'll never forget, there was a Friday night. It was like 7.27. We start Connect Night at 7.30. So I had a three-minute window before it started. I'll never forget, there was a young adult that walked in and caught me in the hallway, leaving my office to come into the sanctuary to start the service. And we were about to go, and they said, oh, uh, can I talk to you? And I was like, um, okay, yeah. And they said, uh, can we go in your office? And I'm thinking, I just locked the door. I was about to come in and start our, our service. Uh, but I was like, okay, but it has to be kind of quick. They said, yeah, yeah, it's not going to take long. And we got into my office, and he said, can we close the door? And I'm thinking, what do you have to tell me? And then he reached into his jacket. And I was like, is he going to shoot me? I'm like, you know, we're secluded. And the young, young adult pulled out a brown envelope, and the thickness was thicker than I had ever seen. It was a bank envelope when you withdraw money. And when they placed it in my hand, I thought, what in the world? And it was $10,000. It was private. I'm not saying who it was, their name. They still attend our church. But I remember holding this money, looking at the, at the person and saying, my logic said, you could have bought a good used car with this money. Literally, that I said that to the person. And they said, I wanted to give this as a result of something that you said the week before in a message. And my faith was stirred, and I want to, with gladness, they gave me the money to give in the offering. It wasn't for me, by the way. I didn't buy a new used car. It was for the church. And I've, that's, it's never happened to me before, and it has never happened since in, in that specific way. But here I was, my logic is saying, get on with it, hurry up. Hurry up, we got we to gotta get moving. But at the same time, God taught me a lesson. Because, you know, as a young person, I, I'm thinking, I know we don't have a ton of money as young families and young, young adults. But when they put the money in my hand and gave it willingly to God, I thought, man, this is illogical generosity, which makes no sense to me. And, and who am I to try to say, you could do better things with this? When God says, what, what better can you do than to place it in my hands? My hands. And, and I was blown away. God taught me a lesson that day that God supplies things in our lives His way, not our way. 
human logic in our story says, no, don't go to the widow. She doesn't have supply to care for the man of God. And I, I'm reminded of the story in the New Testament where Jesus is in the temple and, and they're just looking at people coming to give their offerings. And all of these people with their big money bags, you know, cling, cling, and they're dropping them. And you could probably hear all the money. And then there's this old, this, I don't say old, there's this lady who comes and drops in two mites, two coins. And Jesus said, you know what? This woman gave the most. And they're like, what? He said, yeah, they're, they're bringing a lot of money, but that's very little in comparison to how much they have. This woman who brought the two coins, she gave the most. Why? Because she gave it all. She had no more. She gave it all. She had two coins and she gave it all. You see, Jesus, seeing her drop, bringing the money, could have stopped her and said, no, 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 no. I, I appreciate your heart, but keep the money. You need it, obviously. You keep the money. But Jesus himself didn't even stop her from giving irrationally. I want to I wanna draw that point. Who are we to tell people how and what to give? We can't. That's why I say, even if it's your first time here and we're taking up offering and you feel compelled, you want to participate in giving, you can. And we, we tell you how. Because who are we to say you can't give or don't give, right? We'll never force anyone, but we're just looking in the Word today. Jesus didn't stop the woman from giving irrationally. And I know that this is stepping on some of our toes, perhaps, but we need to let the Word of God challenge us in this way. We have to be a generous people. And so God supplies His way, not our ways. So Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. Well, we can stop right there, but we won't. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So, you, Pastor, you mean to tell me that I can put money in the offering and God has a way of blessing me? Yes. And I'll tell you why. There's a principle called sowing and reaping. And we don't have a problem if we say, if you reap kindness, if you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. No, no one would disagree. If you sow love, you reap love. People will love you back. If you sow patience, people will be patient with you, hopefully. If you sow cucumber seeds, you will get cucumbers. No one disagrees. Now, why do we, when it comes to money, we start to get uncomfortable? If you sow money into the kingdom, okay, let's, let's take a little side note from that. If you invest money, because I would assume you want to be a good steward of your resource. So if you're wise, you put some money in savings, you invest money. You don't just do it and hope nothing happens. You hope that you get a reward. So you're actually sowing or investing in the stock market, into whatever company, into the bank to get interest back. And you get more than you put in. When it comes to the economy of God, when you sow into the kingdom or you invest money, guess what? You can reap. You can reap. Okay, a few people are getting it. I can't tell you why. It's just a principle of sowing and reaping. It's a principle. 
So I'm just sharing with you the principle. We have no problem believing it in many other areas of life or even with our money that we choose to invest elsewhere. But I want you to know, you want God, you want His source and His supply, start investing in His kingdom and in His work. You say, I can do it with my time. You can, but why not also with your money? Why not? You have to understand the widow in the story she had to use physical, personal resource, flour and oil, to bake the cake for the man of God. And Jesus said, whatever you've done unto me, the least of these you've done unto me. And, and we see in the New Testament, when, when people are giving, there's a story of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, where it says, your offerings to the poor have been received by God in heaven. So even as you give your tithe and offering to Weston, I want you to know that it's received by God in heaven. Amen. And so it's important that we understand that God wants to bless your life. He does. Not just with health, but even in the area of finances. You know what my prayer is? I pray for you as a church that God would bless you at work, would give you promotion. Why? so that you don't have to suffer, you don't have to wander, but also that you can sow resource back into the kingdom. And, and even in our own life, Priscilla and I, the more money God places in our hands as we work hard, the more we want to be generous. Why? Because the more generous we've been to the kingdom, to, to God's kingdom, to giving, to blessing even people and individuals God puts on our heart, we have seen his faithfulness to put more back into our hands. God supplies his way, not our way. And I didn't even finish reading Isaiah 55, right? But his ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Verse 9, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. And get this, verse 11, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Hudson Taylor said this, God's work done God's way, will never lack God's supply. And it's important for us to understand that God supplies in our lives His way, not our way. His thoughts, not our thoughts. His way, not our way. Number three, God's Word requires my response. God's Word requires my response. You see, God's Word is good, it's good for us, but it needs to be coupled with our obedient response. That's why it says in Scripture that we ought to not just be hearers of the Word, but doers, which means it produces action in my life. You could come to church and say, that was a good word. And that's where it ends. Just like I watched Netflix last night, that was a good show. And it ends there. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe I was like, I had a little too much popcorn, I think. God's word requires 
a response. It, it does something inside of us that incites a response from us. God's word requires my response. In verse 13, you know, verse 12, she tells the prophet everything that's, that's wrong with his request, right? We read that together. Verse 13, I want you to catch the response that Elijah has because it's one of encouragement for her in her situation of lack and need. Look at what he says in verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said. But she's not off the hook yet. Hold on. Look what it says. But make a little bread for me first. It's like, what? Still? You still keep that part there? What's going on? And then he says, then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. I'm sure she's thinking, you're crazy. Maybe, the fam maybe those ravens didn't feed you from God. Maybe it was like scraps of whatever they found, right? How can you say there's going to be stuff left over after I make a cake for you? But here's the word of the Lord that produces the response in, that we're going to read in verse 15. Look at verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says... You ready for a word? Here it is. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So in other words, here's the promise of provision for your life. Here's the promise of provision. So when she hears the word of the Lord, though it's illogical and though it makes absolute no absolute sense in her understanding of her situation. She hears the word of the Lord. And look at verse 15. So she did as Elijah said. Underline that if you have a, a physical Bible, if you're using a digital app, you know, tap on it, put it yellow. And she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Verse 16, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as, oh, not Elijah said, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. You see, God uses people in your life, and they might have a word, but sometimes there might be no one around. I want you to know you still have the word of the Lord, and you need to learn to read the word and to learn to apply it to your life. Hear the word of the Lord and respond. Sometimes it's not going to be a sermon podcast. Sometimes it's not going to be, you know, just give me a word, pastor. Just give me a word. And there are people that just look for other people. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit gives you discernment that you can hear and obey for yourself. You don't always have to depend on other people. Hear the word of the Lord and obey. And as long as you have that in your life, I would say you have all that you need because you can hear from God and you could move from where you are to where he's calling you to be. Do not fear, he said to her, though it made no sense. You know, I, I, I flash back to when we had all the ladies up at the front and, and there was that picture of a dry well. And, and, you know, this woman was in a predicament. Maybe you're here today, ladies, and... And you are dry. Hear the word of the Lord today and obey. Do what he says to do. Get close to the heart of God. 
you know, you pour out so much. I want to I share this word with you. Pour out even more at the feet of Jesus. Do it and watch what's going to happen in your life. Pour out even more at the feet of Jesus and watch what he will do in your life. He will fill you till it overflows. It's a very different picture. When you do things on your own, she was gathering the sticks. It always resulted in death and lack, and she couldn't see herself out of the situation. But when you hear the word of the Lord for yourself, it always produces life in Jesus' name. And so God's word requires my response. You see, Elijah didn't come with bread. He didn't come with more flour. He didn't come with oil. He came only with a word from the Lord for her. And that's all you need, my friend. But it required her response to activate the word in her life. You have to, don't, don't miss that. The word came, but it, to activate the word in her situation, it required her, her response and her obedience. And we see the results of what happened. There, will, there was always enough. And so I'm here to tell you that this word is for you. And it must provoke a response. Everything is about to change when you hear the word of the Lord and respond. You know, preparing the meal her way, because he said, do it, do what you were going to do, but first make it for me, right? He didn't let her off the hook. God wanted her first to feed the man of God before she would care for herself. So preparing the meal her way leads to logical death. Preparing the meal God's way, meaning feed him first, then use the leftover for yourself, leads to illogical provision. And so obey God's word. It's very simple. God was preparing her for provision, but it required her to give up what she was holding on to. Even though it wasn't much, she was holding on to it. And God said, no, even the little bit that you are holding on to, give it up. Give it all. Give it up and watch the provision that I'm about to unfold in your life. And you will eat until the grass starts to grow, until the crops start to grow and there's rain again on the land. You see, you're giving in tithes and offerings. I just want to touch on our tithes and offerings a little more in this message. Your giving in tithes and offerings is not so we can keep the lights on in the church or so that we could pay bills or do fun things for the kids. Maybe some churches, they, they always put that on the front. And, and I hope I never have said that in the past because it's not the heart of the gospel. It's not that we need your money. You see the lights. You see this. You see that. You know, we, we did the first coat of the parking lot. We need to redo it and, and put the second coat now because it's spring. We, we don't ask. This is not a club. It's not a country club where your funds help create the better facility so our members get more benefits. This is not what the church is about. You never give to a church if that's the only reason they ask you to give. You give because you understand what it unlocks in your life. It's important you see that. God doesn't need your money. It says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And I googled what the cattle on a thousand hills would look like. It's a bunch of cows on a hill, right? But what does that represent? Biblically speaking, money, right? It's very costly. So when you read about all the sacrifice of the bull and all of that, you know, you think that's a bit gory. And, but it represents costly sacrifice. It comes at a cost. So when we give, we have to understand we're not giving 
for this place. This is a, a nice place where we gather. We are blessed as a church. Can you say amen? That we get to gather in this facility. But you give not because God needs your money because he's broke. He's not. You give because of what it does in your life. That's why God says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because as you give, it unlocks the blessing of God in your life and in the area of your finances. Giving unlocks God's provision. That's why she couldn't hold on to the flour and the oil. She had to release it from her, her hand and her grip. Because her, her goal was to make the cake and then eat it and die. When, Jesus, when God was saying, no, let go of that and watch what I want to do through you with what you have. And so imagine if a farmer fasted and prayed for a harvest. And that's all he did. Fast and pray. Fast and pray for a harvest in, in the fall. But at the same time, he held on to all the seed because he didn't want to have less seed in his hand, right? And he's fasting and praying to see increase in the harvest, but he's not willing to let go of the seed. We would all find that a little humorous and funny. Why? Well, because we understand for a farmer, they have to plant the seed for the crop to grow, right? So you can't fast and pray and expect for the plants and the crops to grow. You're like... Farmer, take the seed, plant it, ask God to send the rain, right? And, and then we'll see the increase. So we understand it in that context. Um, but even in your finances, I want to be bold enough this morning to encourage you in this way. Maybe your actual need is money. Maybe it's money, but you hold on to it so tightly because it's scarce in your life. And you hold on to it tightly. And you fast and pray for breakthrough in this one area. And you fast and pray, fast and pray, like, liken it to the farmer illustration, right? When God's saying, well, you're holding on to the seed. And you should plant that seed, invest it into the kingdom. Invest it and see what I can do with it. I'll send the waters. And it's the only area in all of Scripture where God invites us to test him in this one thing, in the area of our finances, Malachi, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and cause a blessing so big that you cannot contain it. And so I'm just here to, to share this with you. We understand it when we talk about crops and farmers, but now when we turn it to our faith and our finances, now suddenly it becomes a big, big, big uh, roadblock for us. I, I want to declare this, that this is seed. Money is seed. And if you are willing to sow the seed, I'm convinced, because I've seen it in my own life. I'm speaking from my personal experience on taking God at His word, that as you invest it and put it in good soil, that God will bring the provision and the increase on what you've invested. This is not rocket science. It's a simple principle. You can fast and pray all you want, but I believe God would say the answer is what you're holding on to, and you need to release it. In the same way, when you give, you're saying, God, all I have is yours. God, all I have is yours, and you are reaffirming that he is your source. When I hold on to my money, I'm simply saying, I need this because I earned it, and I have to spend it carefully. I have to invest it carefully. But when I understand that it's God who gives it to me and God who provides, I say, Lord, as easily as this came into my hand, I could release it. I know you can bring more. 
and I know you could put more in my hand. Listen, I'm blessed, not just so I could be blessed. I want to set that very clear. I believe that God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. If all it was is for status, and by the way, uh, you know, look at the brand name in my <clears throat> jacket, right? If, if this is what I'm after, I would have a hard time imagining God will bless you. And I'm not saying he won't, but I'm saying you're, if that's all you're in it for, you're missing the bigger picture. That we ought to be good stewards and God blesses us. Can we enjoy them? Absolutely. Enjoy the fruit of your labor and the blessing of the Lord. The Bible says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and he has no sorrow with it. So if it's coming into your hand, it's to be a blessing, not a burden and not a sorrow. And at the same time, I'm going to be a blessing to as many other people as I can with what God puts in my life. And so when you give, you're saying, God, all I have is yours. And you are reaffirming that he is your source. So it is promised to those who trust in God that in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. And that's the conclusion of the story. You could be walking through a famine today. But you hear the word of the Lord and understand it's a day of provision. It's a day where God shows up. Not, not just because of his word, but because of your obedience to his word. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning as we close? You might say, Pastor John, this is not a Mother's Day sermon. It's the word of the Lord. And for mothers, fathers, young people, old people alike, this is the word. And if you really want to argue with me, I should have had a more Mother's Day sermon. Well, there was a mother in the story, the widow of Zarephath. Amen? God's Word is always on time, and it never returns void. It always accomplishes whatever He set it out to accomplish. I want to set the record straight. We don't talk a lot about money from the pulpit, and I haven't done it, but I, I just felt, you know what? People need good teaching. People need instruction, and you can go anywhere, and they'll tell you how to spend your money. You know, I remember uh, I heard someone say just this week coming from the hospital, like the hospital has no problem telling you you owe 15, 20 bucks for your parking, even if someone just died, and you're coming from the hospital because of that. Uh, yet at church, when it comes to, you know, teaching on this, we get very scared and quiet about it. Um, no, it's for your good. It's for your blessing and benefit. And so today, I just want to close in prayer. And I was asking the Lord, it's like, after this kind of a message, what's the fitting response? What's the fitting response? And do we take up an offering? You know, because it's like, let's put our, our, our money where our mouth is. And I just felt God say this, that if you want to give, you'll figure out how you can give. And, and I'm not supposed to, like, make a big deal out of it. And so whatever your response is to this word, I can't determine for you. I can't to say, you need to bake me a cake or you need to do this kind of offering. Again, this is something, the word of the Lord is for you, not for me to tell you to do what to do with it. So let the word speak to you today. And all I simply implore you is to respond. Respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your situation, God knows exactly where you're at. And I echo the words of the prophet to the widow. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. 
It might feel illogical. I don't know. In this story, it was. But I just want to remind us, Isaiah 55, his ways are not ours. His thoughts are not ours. They're far above us. And so we thank God for his word today. And don't forget, as we close, there is uh, your gift as you would exit the sanctuary for all the ladies in the house. There's the photo booth to your left as well. We want to make sure that uh, you, you make a memory of this morning as well. And remember what God has spoken um, in the house today. Give God your, your heart and everything else will follow in, in where it needs to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, for the incredible opportunity we have to hear the word, to, to not be worried, Lord, about uh, the gospel going out, not being worried about preaching in a public setting, but Father, that we can freely come and hear the word of the Lord proclaimed. Father, I pray today, if there's one thing that we see happen, that it is that your word would produce action and a response in each and every heart as a result of hearing your word. Father, I thank you that before it was our idea to be generous and to give, Lord, you gave your one and only son. Father, I thank you that you gave us your choice and your best, your number one, Jesus, for us, Lord. And may we never take this gift for granted, the gift of eternal life. And so, Father, today as we leave this place, Lord, may we find blessing and provision in whatever season we find ourselves in and remember that you are the God who provides for us. And God, as we go, we bless every family, every individual into the week that's in front of us. Lord, though the service is over, we we recognize church is not. So Lord, use us to be your hands and feet to everyone we encounter this week. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit accompany us on our way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon of the week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.